Hello, Shiver Seekers. Are you ready to follow us into the unknown? I'm Cynthia. I'm Stephanie. And you have found the dark oak. On today's episode, we discuss the lost colony of Roanoke. And guys, don't worry, you do not have to be a history buff to enjoy this episode. It's a real good one. This is a case. It's like, how can you not be intrigued by this case? Absolutely. Super excited for this one. Welcome to the Dark Oak, the mystery podcast with purpose. Each month through the Branch of Hope Fund, we give a portion of earnings from our Patreon and sponsors to a nonprofit organization related to the first two episodes of the month. To find out how you can be a part of the movement, head over to thedarkoak.com or stay with us until the end of the episode and we will give you all the details. Pretty excited about today to talk about the Lost Colony of Roanoke. It is not going to be boring. I hope we didn't lose anybody. Hang in there, guys. It's not going to be a history lesson. This is a great mystery. As a matter of fact, it's the first great mystery in American history. Yeah. I mean, this is like, there's no way anybody could be bored listening to this episode. This is like such a creepy case. It is really a creepy case. And no one knows. No one knows. To this day, we still don't know. That's right. Oh my gosh, I can't wait. So I really tried to whittle, tried it. I tried it to whittle. <laughs> I tried to whittle. I whittled down the important people, dates, and events to not make this like a full year-long course, but it plays out just like a mystery novel would. Here we go. All right. The Lost Colony of Roanoke was England's first attempt at establishing a permanent settlement in the New World. This is before Jamestown, before Plymouth Rock. This was even before that. Now, at this time, the English monarchy was really feeling pressure to colonize the continent of America. After all, the Spanish had already established colonies in Florida and the southeast, and the French had established settlements in Canada and the Great Lakes region. So they were really feeling the pinch. Like, we have got to get a colony there. There could be resources. And again, I mean, just like all these myths and legends about, you know, the fountain of youth and, you know, these things like these possibilities of finding these incredible resources and um, things that can bring explorers fortunes. Oh, yes. Yeah. I mean, we got it all here in the Americas. <laughs> we sure do. Don't we? Don't we, though? <laughs> and it wasn't just the queen that was feeling it. Many wealthy Brits were also getting antsy about missing out on opportunities to make money in the New World. And they were really worried about getting outdone by other European countries, which honestly could have resulted in England's demise, which is crazy to think about. But, I mean, they were certainly a superpower, but the Spanish and the French, I mean, they were they were worthy adversaries for sure. So a few prominent Englishmen got together and made plans to finance explorations that result in the first English colony. And the ideal location was slated around the Chesapeake Bay off the coast of Virginia. They figured this was a great spot to get a foothold because, again, French in the north and the Spanish in the south. And it's just a really pretty area. <laughs> it is really beautiful. Um, I think they were more thinking strategic. Well, you I'm know. all about the aesthetics. It's very beautiful. <laughs> it's very beautiful. <laughs> Don't we all need some beach homes <laughs> off the Chesapeake Bay? But they were figuring this would kind of stop the advance of the Spanish 
colonies north. Sure. So they were thinking, let's cut them off. And also relationships with the Spanish weren't very good right now, too. And so they figured this would be a great spot to also, you know, just sink some Spanish ships if we have to. Why not? Why not? Why not? You know, it's it's the it's the 1500s of it all. Now, they knew about Virginia and the surrounding islands and reefs because in 1578, about 10 years before the colony was founded, Queen Elizabeth I gave a grant to a nobleman named Sir Humphrey Gilbert and tasked him with exploring the New World. Now, remember in the Athelia Ponzel Lindsley case, St. Augustine, Florida had been settled in 1565. So the Spanish have already gotten a 10-year head start. Okay. So Ponce de Leon has already done his thing. The Fountain of the Youth is there. St. Augustine is starting to grow. And so they're kind of playing catch up at this point. Sure. On Gilbert's first exploration, he marked out several suitable sites for a colony, again, around the Chesapeake Bay. And things looked really good. Unfortunately, on his second exploration to go and solidify which one of these would be the best... His ship was shipwrecked and he was lost at sea. Oh, no. Again, the 1500s of it all. Right? Yeah. Now, the wealthy Englishman who had been kind of watching Gilder's explorations finally came about and said, okay, you know what? We're not just relying on the queen to take care of this. Like, we've got to, like, get things in order. So they, along with the queen, hired Gilbert's half-brother named Sir Walter Raleigh to become the man in charge. Now, does that say, not name sound familiar? I see you shaking your head. I do, I've heard the name before. <laughs> yes. So he's all over the history books. He was a soldier, a writer, an explorer, a super interesting character. Now, I won't go into him too much, but he was instrumental in England establishing a foothold in North America. And he's gone down in a BBC poll as one of the top 100 Britons of all time. Okay, so, you go. Yeah, you go. And the capital of North Carolina, Raleigh. Named after this guy. So, big deal. Raleigh sails around checking out Gilbert's locations. Because, again, he had Gilbert's maps. So, he decided to kind of complete that second mission of going and checking out these sites that were going to be one of the first colonies. And on his second trip out, so he went out and he checked them all. And then he was like, okay, I'm going to go back again. I'm going to get more supplies. I'm going to restock. And he's starting to think about how I can make this colony. So, he recruits this guy named John White to go with him. Now, White had previously sailed to the Americas on other explorations and was known as being an amazing artist that created some um, watercolor paintings of both the geography of the area and the Native American tribes. As a matter of fact, these illustrations were so beautiful and well detailed that the surviving watercolors are currently preserved at the British Museum. Oh, wow. So I would love to see those. Because I would again, love to see them too. Virginia is beautiful. It is really beautiful. See? It does come in handy that it was a pretty place. (laughs) Also, these illustrations of a lot of the Native American peoples Mm. are really gorgeous. I bet. He really painted them in their original surroundings, Mm. and they look very um, natural. And it really was the first and original of their kind. There's nothing else like them because he was able to see things that no Englishman or really no outsider had ever seen. Right. And, and he honored them. And he genuinely and he honored, honored them. culture and oh, absolutely. Wow, that's so I out. already like White's a good guy. I okay. will tell you if there's anybody is that stands out in the story, like I love White. Okay. Like John White, good dude. Raleigh saw this. Now Raleigh, he was absolutely 
instrumental again in settling the new world. But I will tell you, he's a little out for himself because, of course, if this is successful, he's going to be a big deal, right? Okay, sure. White was a little bit more selfless. He really did care about the actual colony itself, not just what he could get out of it. Okay. Right? And so Raleigh knew this. Raleigh knew this about himself. He knew this about White. And so because... Again, White was able to form these amazing relationships with these Algonquin Indians and able to create these beautiful artworks with them. And so he knew he's like, okay, he's the guy. He's the relationship guy. He's a good resource. He's a good resource. Exactly. So he invited him. He said, hey, listen, I want you to be the first governor of my colony. So I want you to come on this exploration with me. Pick out where you want to go. Like where you want your colony to start and we'll start putting things in place. So White's like, yeah, I I love that. I love my previous explorations. I love meeting the Native Americans. Let's do it. So in one of these expeditions where they were going to find where they wanted to settle, they wound up stopping at this little island called Roanoke Island. And it's kind of on the Outer Banks. And they set up a temporary camp that would function kind of like, like a command center. And they built a small little garrison. Roanoke Island is currently off the coast of North Carolina around Nags Head. It would have originally been off the coast of Virginia, which was, of course, named for the Virgin Queen Elizabeth. Mm, That's how it mm-hmm. got its name. Okay, interesting. And it was never meant to be a permanent settlement, though. Right. It was a small fort with a protective wall, and it had a small band of soldiers left to protect the island. Okay. Again, it was just kind of, we're going to hold it for the name of England, and we're going to use it as kind of like a jumping off point for the future settlement. And it is actually an island. It is an island. Okay. Yes. A small island. A very small island. And it's connected by, like, essentially coral reef. Like, it's like a coral shoal that connects everything. Okay. But it's its own little thing. It is not connected to the mainland. Okay. Not a peninsula like Florida. Peninsula. No, it is not. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And they also had this idea, since they had already formed a few positive relationships with the Algonquin Indians in both the Croatoan tribes and the Roanoke tribes, that this would continue to foster goodwill. And initially, contact was really good. White was able to form relationships that were so good that the leaders of both the Croatoan and Roanoke tribes agreed to sail back to England with White in order to meet the queen. Wow. Isn't that incredible? Okay, so that's trust. Oh, yeah. That's huge. Huge, right? And these tribes were on the island as well, or or just off? So the way it worked, yeah, Mm -hmm. so the Roanoke tribe was actually on Roanoke Island. Okay. And then the Croatoan tribe was in a island south Okay. Um, for where they were, not too far, maybe 50 miles. Okay. They could easily reach by boat. At the time, the island was called Croatoan, and mm-hmm. the Croatoan Indians lived on Croatoan. Now the island is known as Hatteras. Okay. So if you're looking on a map, it's going to say Hatteras, but it's right below Roanoke Island. They agreed to sail back to England. Wow. Incredible. That's really beautiful, actually. Warms my heart. The leader of the Roanoke tribe received the English name of Wanchese, and the Croatoan chief, the name of Monteo. And Monteo of the Croatoan tribe went on to be the first baptized Protestant Native American. Oh, wow. Okay. Cool, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, Queen Elizabeth was very pleased with Raleigh sure. at this point, right? Like, he has delivered in, like, a big way. So she knighted him on January 6, 1585. She also bestowed on him the title of Lord and Governor of Virginia. Okay. Yeah. Big deal at the time. 
I'm sure. I mean, I would <laughs> not mind being the Lord of Virginia. So I'm here for it. Yeah. So needless to say, everybody's feeling really good at this yeah, point, right? This is, things are looking good. Yeah. And then, you know, human nature. So White's now back in England, right? With Monteo and Wanchese trying to arrange for this colony to go back. Unfortunately, the guy he left in charge at that little Roanoke Island garrison single-handedly soured all the relationships that White had built with the Native Americans. Mm. And there was something like he accused them of stealing something and they said they didn't. And so he just like stormed their villages and (gasps) on two occasions burned them down. No. Oh, my goodness. This is not good for relations. Not good. Oh, what are you doing? Oh, no. Yeah. So didn't go really well. And of course, White has no idea that this is even happening. Right. Right. Because do you know off the top of your head how long that trek from Roanoke Island takes to get to England? It's about three months. Okay. It's about three months, give or take. So it's not like today where, you know. No, this is not a hop and a skip. Okay. No. This is like about a three month journey, depending on the weather and those kinds of things. Okay. So, So we're talking from the moment they left. The soonest they could possibly return is six months, and that's if they said hi to the queen and popped back right. right that's back exactly over. right. Yeah, that's okay. exactly right. Which was, of course, wasn't going to happen wasn't because happening. they're sure. parading them around and yeah. all those kinds of things. Wow. So Native Americans not really pleased. So of course they decide they're going to go and kill all of the Englishmen that are at the small garrison. Right? I mean, I can't really blame them. You burned my village down. You burned my village down. You killed my family. And you're an outsider. You can go now. Right? Yeah. The English were all close to being killed. And this is just insane. I told Barton, this, my husband, Mm -hmm. I told Barton the story. He's like, that does not really happen. And I'm like, no, this actually really happened. Right? The Native Americans are coming in. They know they're going to be killed. And they see a ship in the distance. And at this point, they're like, we we will do anything to be saved. Incredibly, this was an English ship, and it was piloted by Sir Francis Drake. Sir Francis Drake is also all over the history books. He was the first guy to circumnavigate the Earth by ship. Oh, okay. So he's a crazy, like, explorer Back back then. Yeah. Incredibly, like, he just happens to be sailing by as they're about to get murdered. And they jump off the island and start swimming to his ship. Okay. I mean, what are the odds that this is going to happen? And, of course, Drake's like, what's going on, guys? Sure. (laughs) And so he says, okay, fine. I'll give you guys, like, safe passage. Mm -hmm. But the island was abandoned so quickly that there were actually three dudes out exploring the woods. And they straight up just got left. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I mean, this is wild. (laughs) Like, wild. Okay. So this is the first, quote, settlement at Roanoke Island. Not a success. Okay. Do you know what happened to the three guys that got left? Did they get killed? Oh, of course they did. Oh, okay. Okay. I was was hoping maybe they'd be, like, Uh, spared. No, I had that moment, too. But no, that's not. it's not that kind of story. Okay. Sorry. (laughs) What? The Lost Colony of Roanoke doesn't have a happy ending? Oh, no. Now, again, this is 10 years before that Lost Colony even happens. Mm -hmm. But it's already just not going. Maybe it's a doomed piece of land. Well, some people think that. Okay. 
Despite Raleigh's original men having risked drowning in order to save their lives from being murdered by Native Americans, less than a year later, Raleigh decides, we can't give up our claim that on that land. We need to put some more dudes over there. So he finds 15 soldiers, puts them in the garrison, and gives them two years worth of supplies and says, we'll get back to you when we can. Wow. Okay. You know... I don't feel like they have much of a chance. First of all, just based on what we know, two years worth of supplies doesn't seem like enough for this kind of trip. Like they're going to have to like figure out how to plant some food and Mm -hmm. hunt. Mm -hmm. And already the state of Roanoke Island, dubious at best. Not to mention we've got some natives here who are going to hate them. Um, Going to immediately try to murder them. Yes. Yes. And and. Probably rightly so. Can't say I blame them. No, can't say I blame them. Now we get to the hero of the story, if there is one, Governor John White, who has recruited his settlers. They are on their way to the colony of Roanoke. He chose this place, this protected area on the mainland of America to start the new colony. He wisely chose this place, a lot of resources. He had it all planned out. The idea was they would all get aboard the ship. They're going to stop at Roanoke Island, collect those 15 men Okay, that somehow they still think are going to be alive and well on this island. And they're also going to collect any resources that they can on the island. So building supplies, extra food, anything that they can use on the colony. The pilot and navigator of the ship taking White and his colonist on this expedition is a well-known occasional pirate named Simon Fernandez. And Simon Fernandez's name comes up quite a lot. He was a very skilled seaman, but definitely a privateer. I mean, he would pilfer a ship in a minute. I mean, I will be honest. If I'm going to be out on the seas back in the 1500s, I'd rather be on the same boat as a pirate than like (laughs) meeting a pirate from another ship. That's fair. But, you know, hiring these ships was always risky. But what are you going to do? Right? You got to go with the guy that's got the ship. You got to I'm going with Captain Jack Sparrow, if at all possible. <laughs> yes. Love you, Johnny. <laughs> now, when the ship finally landed on Roanoke Island, White and several men, of course, disembarked the ship to go collect the 15 men, help them carry the supplies, and get ready for their next destination. Once they disembarked the ship, however, Simon Fernandez refused to let them back on. Fernandez said it was too close to the end of the summer. And if they continued onward, they were encountered bad storms. That sounds like a pirate to me. <laughs> it totally sounds, sounds like, a like a pirate. It absolutely it sounds does. like something a pirate would say. <laughs> now, this was bad. Sure. This was bad, right? So White was like, there's no way you can leave us here. This colony is never going to work here. Bad relationships with the natives. There are no resources. We are not set up to be here, and we contracted you to take us to this other location. And he said, nah, nah, we're not, we're not doing that. So while White was up there arguing with Simon Fernandez about taking them further, the few other men that had jumped off the ship to go find the 15 men, do you think they found the 15 men? I'm a little scared, but I don't think they did. No, oh. they found a massacre. Oh, That's wow. what they found. They were all dead. 
scattered around, clearly killed by, killed by Native Americans. And they came back and they were like, oh, John White, we cannot stay here, bro. And yet we're trapped. And Simon Fernandez was like, not my problem. Wow. wow. Not my okay, problem. Okay, maybe I don't want to be on the same ship as the pirate. Ooh, it's <laughs> rough, right? <laughs> so with no other choice, they unloaded all their supplies. No one's really certain of Fernandez's motives. Like, why did he do that? Why not just take, um, I mean, what, a few more days worth of travel, if that? If that. So, like, why not just take them the rest of the way? Yeah. Some people think that maybe he and White were kind of in, like, a power struggle mm. over, like, who's really in charge of what's going on. Even though I find that, you know, John White would be pretty, like, amenable to trying to make it work. But Simon Fernandez was, like, not having any of it. What most people think is that he started thinking about all the much more lucrative jobs that we, he was losing out on by just taking these colonists somewhere. And if he would just kind of unload them, he would still get paid for his trip and he could go back to the West Indies where he could start basically looting Spanish ships and being a pirate again. Okay. And quite frankly, no one would ever know that he did this. No. there's no way of them even getting word back to England that he didn't fulfill his end of the job, right? And even if they did find out, what are they going to go do? Take money back from him? Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's just, it's a mess. Yeah. It's just a mess. Eek. There's also this strange conspiracy theory that he wanted the colony to fail. Um, I don't know if that's a possibility, but maybe he felt you know, because a lot of people had invested in this colony. And so he was like, well, I, I want them to lose their money. Like maybe he got slighted by one of them. And so he just wanted the whole thing to fail. Whatever it is, not a big humanitarian. This guy, Simon Fernandez. Yeah, just doesn't seem very nice. No, not very nice. <laughs> so nevertheless, in 1587, 17 colonists, 97 men, 17 women, nine young boys, began to colonize Roanoke on Roanoke Island. Okay. Now, this included John White's own pregnant daughter and his son-in-law. Okay. The colonists decided to use the already constructed fort as the center of their settlement. You know, this very ill-fated garrison <laughs> that was there. And they built small cabins around it to serve as their homes. And around this settlement, they built a wooden palisade made of pine trees now, a palisade is kind of like those old timey, like, I guess it's a fence or like a protective uh, surrounding. It's like, it's the trunk of the tree that end in like a point at the top. Oh, sure. It's mm -hmm. like pointy trees, okay. <laughs> essentially. So, like, All kind of like put together. So you can't climb over it, I guess, the point yeah. is supposed to be for security. And it's not super protective. I mean, from today's standards, but I guess at that point it would give them some protection, obviously from wild animals and stuff, sure. um, but also at least some barrier from hostile neighbors and those kinds of things. But at least slow anybody trying to attack them down. Slow anybody down. Okay. It would basically give them a nice false sense of security. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I like it. Just as you would expect, the arrival of more Europeans did not go unnoticed by the Native Americans who immediately began to t attack the settlement. Oh, yeah, of course. Right. I mean... Why would they think that these people are any different from right. that jerkwad? Like, and they in don't the beginning. recognize White. 
Or if they do, it doesn't matter. Oh, John White. Yeah. John White. Um, not at this point, they don't. Okay. All they know is it's more Europeans. Okay. Mm-hmm. All they know is it's more Europeans. As a matter of fact, the first British colonist was killed by a Native American only nine days after they arrived. Oh, okay. Already not going great. The right. colonist was simply crabbing along the shoreline. But again, I'm not really casting any aspersions on the Native Americans because they didn't have a lot of reason to trust the English at this point. You come to my land, you accuse me of stealing, and then you burn my village down. Yeah. I mean, like, a lot of reason to fear you and to hate you. Yeah. I Yeah. Yeah. I, I can understand why they were not feeling very hospitable. Yeah. So at this point, White really got the picture. Like this, if I want anybody to survive, I've got to use my wits. I've got to go and mend this relationship. And so he tried to do just that. And remember, he had relationships with Monteo from the Croatoan tribe. And he had relationship with Wanchese from the Roanoke tribe. And I was going to ask, where are they? So they've come back. So they actually, interestingly, they went up going back and forth on several expeditions. Okay. Which is really very brave and incredible. Like the whole thing is incredible. Really, to me. Now, they had both returned to their respective tribes and were leading them. And, you know, White had kind of lost touch with them over the years, but was like, well, maybe they can help. Like, maybe they can say, listen, this is a good guy. Let's try to listen and hear him out. So he first sought out the help of Monteo, who he had the closest relationship with. Unfortunately, Monteo at this point had kind of soured to the English because he had come back to his tribe and realized the English had killed a lot of his tribe. Which makes sense. You take me away from my tribe and then I come back to them. Yep. Murder. Like I can feel, I can imagine how that could almost feel like a betrayal. Sure. Completely. So, and so mm. he was kind of like, nah, man, I'm not, I'm not really into that right now. So that wasn't, that great, but White really kept trying, really kept appealing to him, and kind of tried to explain to him that the first two settlements, if you were, the first two collections of Englishmen that were staying there were more like soldiers and militia. And these are genuinely settlers. These are families. These are people that want to have a good relationship with you. These are people that want to start a new life and that want to live with you on the land and those kinds of things. And so they did eventually soften, which is incredible. I mean, again, white hero in the story, if there is one. Well, and I, to to be fair, I feel like White probably felt some betrayal as well because these were his yes. friends. These were people he made friends with and these were people he asked to trust him. And then we did what we did. So, or, or the Englishmen did what they did. Yeah, so of course. That would feel like a betrayal to him as well. Yeah, of course. Things kind of started to look up for the colonists at this point. You're like, okay, well, we're not immediately going to be murdered. Right. Feeling good about that. We, we bought ourselves some time. <laughs> we bought ourselves some time. And on August 18th, 1587, a baby girl named Virginia Dare was born. She became the first child of English parents to be born in the New World. Big deal. And I do recognize that. <laughs> yes. Now, her mother was John White's daughter, Eleanor. And if this doesn't convince you of John White's absolutely, like, absolute commitment to this colony, I don't know what would. I mean, it's almost a little nutty, but to bring your, like, pregnant daughter to this new continent, he really believed that this this was a wonderful thing. He brought her to this place where, you know, they are potentially going to be attacked. So exactly. that would take a lot of bravery and hope. 
And hope. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, sadly, that's kind of where the story takes a bit of a turn as spirits began to dwindle when it was realized the settlers had really arrived too late to plant any prosperous crops before the winter. And when they were originally invited to be colonists, they were told that they would receive a restock of supplies once a year from England, but it became really clear that they wouldn't even make it a full year, especially because they were expecting to get extra help from those 15 soldiers and the things that were already there. And again, they weren't even supposed to be living on this island Right, right, that had no resources. So problem. I mean, they were getting a little terrified at this point. We got some problems. So they said, we have got to send someone back to England for supplies. And at first, White did not think it should be him because he had committed to be governor. He hadn't even been there a few months and he's having to already leave them. But they said, you've got to be the one to go because you're going to be the one to get the most resources and to be able to turn it around quickly to come back to us. So off he went. And I mean, it's notable that he left them with no real leader, experienced leader at the colony because he was it. Right. And that must have been awful for him because last time he left, some bad things went down. So Mm -hmm. exactly. Exactly. Now, White set sail with the hopes of returning with supplies by the new year. And this was August. Uh, September. So Okay, so he's hoping to make it super quick. He's going to go super quick. Of course. I mean, he's got to. You would have to. You would have to because they're not going to make it. Right. They're going to try to make it with the few supplies that they have, but he's going to try to be back by like February of the next year. But they're pushing it because that's not, Mm -hmm. it's a three month just to get back to England. Yeah. When White returned home on the ship, though, he was stunned to find England was in a heated battle with the Spanish Armada. And the Queen quickly declared that no ships that were able to navigate large waters were able to leave the English ports until the war was over as they may needed, maybe needed to fight the superior Spanish fleet. So White was like, you've got to be kidding He's me. Trapped. He's totally trapped. Three years. <gasps> oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, I'm going to say it. Three years passed before White was able to return to Roanoke. I cannot imagine what he must be feeling. He left them knowing they weren't going to make. I mean, he didn't. Literally in my notes here, I said, I can only imagine the thoughts going through his yeah. head. Yeah. I mean, he left them in an effort knowing to they were them, in dire straits. But now he's stuck. Goes, and it's his daughter and his granddaughter. And his newborn oh, granddaughter. No. Everything I've read about White, like nobody had anything bad to say about him. And all he wanted was the best for his colony and his family. He, you said the words correctly, just stuck. Yes. I'm just stuck. He finally gets Raleigh to finance some ships to go back over to Roanoke. Well, kind of. Raleigh commissioned six ships to go and raid Spanish ships for gold. And he told White, if you get aboard those and just kind of do a few of the raids with me, eventually I'll have two of the ships break off and take you over to Roanoke. Okay. So... If not, we'll like, you know, let's jump out and swim as we're <laughs> sailing by. But it's literally all White could get. It's, it's, he's like, I'll take it. Yeah. At that point, he's desperate. Yeah. Like he's anything. like, I'll absolutely take it. So two specific ships, the Hopewell and the Moonlight, finally broke off from this raiding Spanish ships. And how long did this take? Do we even know how much longer this took after the three years? Oh, it was months. Month. I mean, okay. it was like six, seven months. Okay. So yeah. like another forever. Another forever. For White, mm-hmm. a literal forever. Right. And for the people of Roanoke, literally forever. Forever. Right? 
And you know what's really terrifying too is they don't know what happened to White. They don't know if he made it. Because they're not able to like send telegraphs back and forth to each other. They're you on an hit island. the nail. You hit the nail on the head. So all they know is he left and did not come back. They don't even know if he made it to England. And probably right. if they survived for three years, they're probably starting to think he didn't. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah, because okay. how do they know? They don't. <laughs> they have no idea. Yeah, wild. The whole thing is wild to me. Terrifying. I can't imagine living in that day and age. I know. I'm so spoiled now with technology. <laughs> It, it's well, and that's kind of why I wanted to say it out loud because it's like, like they really can't send a telegraph, right? They're just on an island. <laughs> You're like, I just need to say it out loud for myself. Am I correct? And yeah, yeah, no, they're just on an. Island. I mean, the only way they possibly would be able to receive or send information is if a ship happened to come by, but nobody's stopping on Little Roanoke Island, right? What you is got there? Any messages for anyone? Yeah, no, nobody's stopping there. Our ships coming up and down, doing different mm. explorations, trying to raid other ship pirates all over the place and stuff, but nobody that cares about them. Right. Finally, on August 12th, the Hopewell and the Moonlight anchor at the Croatoan Island, which, remember, is just south of Roanoke Island. And the crew sees plumes of smoke on Roanoke Island, like somebody has fires burning. Okay, so that's a good sign. Positive. You're like, there is life. There is life. There is life on that island. So they're thinking, awesome. They've got to be alive. They've made it. Exactly. Exactly what you're thinking. Somehow they've made it. I always kind of look at this through the like the eyes of White, like how mm-hmm. excited he must have been to to see that someone has survived. Right. White's landing party spent the next two days attempting to cross the stretch of water between the two islands, but several storms came upon them and all their little pinnaces, so like kind of medium-sized like boats, they kept capsizing, there was loss of life. They couldn't get over there. They could see it, but they couldn't get there. This guy cannot catch a break. Cannot catch a break. I agree. Five days later, on August 17th, they finally had Roanoke Island in their sights, and they saw a fire on the island, and they started rowing towards it, because they're like, that must be where the the colonists are. Once they reached the island, though, it was after nightfall, and they decided not to risk coming ashore at that time. So the men spent the night in their anchored boats on the shore singing English songs in hopes that the colonists would hear them, which is so sweet. It is sweet. Because they're like, we're here. We've made it. Here are your supplies. We're so happy to, like, be with you again. And, of course, we know how this ends, and so it's just breaking my heart. Yeah, but in in their minds, they just have to make it a few more hours for dawn. A few more hours. That's right. On August 18th. 1590, his granddaughter's third birthday, White finally set foot upon the shore of Roanoke Island. At first light, White looked down the beach and found fresh tracks, but was a little surprised when no one came out to greet him. Eerie. Eerie, yes. As the crew crept trepidatiously inland, they found the location of the colony. The wooden palisade was still standing. But Roanoke, as White knew it, was gone. Where cabins had once stood, now there was only overgrown grass. The fort was merely sticks and burned rubble. Anything that could have been moved had been moved. Every structure was dismantled. Farming tools and guns were strewn about in fields. And the boats that were left on the island were gone. Okay. Eerie, creepy, unsettling, not good. 
So I'm assuming the fire they saw was from the the natives who were living on the island? No one knows. Okay, tell me more. No one knows. There was nobody on the island? They didn't find anyone. There they were tracks. Nobody on the- there were tracks. Fresh tracks. Fresh tracks. They definitely saw fires burning. For days, they'd been seeing fires yeah. burning. Nothing. They couldn't find anybody. No one. Not a Native American. Not a colonist. Nobody. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, I'm like processing. Okay. White, of course, is looking all over the place for any kind of clues. And he finds a few personal trunks of his left buried on the island. So before he departed, he put all of his personal treasures and jewelry, pictures, books, those kinds of things in these big trunks and buried them just so they would stay safe until he got back. Mm-hmm. And They had all been dug up, and strangely, a lot of precious jewels and things were still scattered around on the ground. They had been pilfered through, but things that you would think would have been taken were not. It was odd. Like anything valuable wasn't necessarily taken. Exactly. Exactly. It wasn't a pirate. No. And White wrote, quote, About the place, many of my things spoiled and broken, and my books torn from the covers. The frames of some of my pictures and maps rotten and spoiled with rain and my armor almost eaten through with rust, end quote. So it sounds like his trunks had been gone through years earlier, months earlier. So that wasn't fresh for for things to have like rusted through and been damaged through. Yeah, possible. That sounds like that probably didn't happen recently. Right. And again, everything was overgrown. Right. Right. So, but somebody's on that island. We know that somebody's somebody was on, on the that island. island. Exactly. But the entire thing was abandoned. I mean, White was crushed. Sure. But really, what were the fires? That's what confuses me because the general overview of the Lost Colony of Roanoke, I don't think I realized they'd been watching fires for several days and then they get there and there's Wild. nobody there. Like, I. For some reason in my head, I guess I thought they'd been missing for we don't know how long. And there'd been no one there for we don't know how long. But somebody was obviously on that island. I, I get the feeling it wasn't a colonist. But who was it? Who, somebody. I don't know. Right. Somebody. <laughs> Somebody's <Okay>. doing something. <laughs> but the colony, whatever was left of it, wasn't like freshly burning or still Correct. burning or still hot. Like Correct. that. Had Correct. been overgrown for some time. Yes. Yeah. So he and his men immediately began looking for more clues as to the colonists' whereabouts. And before White had left, he acknowledged there was a possibility that they might have to abandon that site. I mean, it, it's possible, right? So what he told them was if they had to leave under duress to carve a cross in a tree. And that way, when he came, he would say, okay, something bad happened. So basically leaving him a signal that they had to abandon the colony. They couldn't find it anywhere. Mm. Nowhere did they find this distress signal, but they did find two interesting carvings in two separate places. On one tree were the letters C-R-O, and on a post was the word Croatoan. Now, remember when White had left, he had solidified this relationship with Monteo and the Croatoan Indians. So he's feeling really hopeful at this point. That that's where they are. That's where they are. Exactly. He's like, okay, that makes total sense. They're probably just went down south. Monteo saw they were struggling, said, come on down here. Like we will assimilate, you know, come down here. So White's like, amazing. Let's get on the ship. Let's go down south. 
we're going to find the colonist. We're going to find my camp, my family. So they get on the ship and they run into a big hurricane. <laughs> like, is that even possible? This poor man. Yeah. So much so there were four different anchor lines on this ship and three out of the four went up snapping. Ooh. And it's a big deal. And so the captain was like, we cannot continue to try to get to this island. And the the wind had been pushing them further and further out, basically further and further back to England. And so at some point they just had to just, they had to abandon mission and just go back to England. Oh my gosh. So White had to go back to England, <gasps> never being able to confirm if they were there. <sighs> yes. Oh. Don't you feel like they just, I mean- proverbial wind out of your sails right tell me more because did they ever make it there <laughs> white goes back to england and immediately starts organizing additional ships to go and find out if they're there i'm so mad that he was so close part of me is like thinking couldn't he just swim like he was so close <laughs> was so close but you know it had to have felt that way because no even though he couldn't swim still it's yes. like you were that close you were that close that's exactly right. But of course, he's not going to jump off. I mean, for, it would have made sense. And also just the weather. I mean, it just right. it just was. But again, it's like, catch a break. This poor man cannot catch a break. Yeah. He tries to organize these ships to go back, but he can't really get any financial backing. Raleigh's kind of weird about it. It's not turning into a successful venture for him. Exactly. So he's not so. really looking into it. And the queen is distracted now because, again, it didn't really turn out too good for her all the time. She sent this money over there. And she's now worried about this Spanish fleet that they're taking care of. And so it, it's just white cannot get back over there. And so all a few different voyages were arranged, but they all got either delayed or canceled, weather, all these kinds of things. At this point, I mean, it's the lost colony now. No one knows where they went. And White really took this as a personal tra tragedy, and he never fully recovered from it. In a letter to one of his friends, Richard Hacklute, he wrote that he must hand over the fate of the colonists and his family, quote, to the merciful help of the Almighty, whom I must humbly beseech to help and comfort them, end quote. I can, I mean, I can see where he's coming from, because at, at that point, it, I mean, what are you going to do? It, I mean, I would keep trying for sure. Yeah. Tell me he went back there. Poor White. After this, he fell ill. Oh, no. And he died. He died within three years of coming back, never able to arrange a ship to go back and check on his family. And he died never knowing the fate of the colony or his daughter or his granddaughter. Breaks my heart, really. It's awful. And again, Sixteen hundreds of it all, the fifteen hundreds, sixteen hundreds. I mean, it's just tragedy upon tragedy. Now, after White's death, the fate of the colony was kind of just left to speculation. No one really seemed to care. It's almost like it just evaporated, which is so strange to me. The English they just kind of gave up on the idea of colonizing. Well, they did go back because remember, eventually there was Jamestown. Right. Now, if it gives you any idea, Jamestown was formed where White originally wanted the colony to be. And it was a success. Okay. There were no rescue missions. Right. No one went back to try to find them. No one, by the way, no one went back to Croatoan Island. So they may still be there <laughs> today. Yes, that's one of the theories, actually. But it's we're so far but by we the time we don't know. By the time anybody really started looking into it, it was several hundred years. 
After they disappeared. Okay, so wait. I was waiting for you to tell me that somebody went back. No! This is what I'm saying. It's crazy. They're like, well, they're just gone. (laughs) Okay. Well, then, you know what? You can stop it right here because I've solved the case. Okay. (laughs) They went to the Croatoan Island and they integrated themselves. And that's where they are. Their descendants are still living there today. It is absolutely very likely. It is, it is very likely. That's a very popular theory. At least that's not like a horrific ending for them. Well, and I will say, I cover that theory a little bit further down, but we can go ahead and talk about it. This theory is the most popular, number one, because of the clue, right? The CRO, the, the Croatoan, and the tree, right? Is that what you're going on? Yep. And the fact that they had at one point like good relationship with yeah you know that that tribe I guess yeah like, it's not like the fact that White thought this is really what happened to them he genuinely believed that they were there and I mean I think that's probably out of hope but also he didn't see any of those distress signals right that's well that's kind of what I'm going on there wasn't the cross which right. is a sign of distress but right. there was a message which makes me think that maybe it all worked out so remember he telling you. Nobody looked into this after the colonists disappear, which I just find is so wild. That's insane. It's just a sign of the times, I think. Well, probably back in that time, it wasn't like a super simple thing to do. Yeah. And honestly, the colony kind of fell out of memory for the most part. Nobody even talked about it. Nobody thought about them. That was until 1709. When John Lawson, an English explorer, naturalist, and writer, published a book highlighting the people and places of North Carolina, South Carolina, and Georgia. He largely explored the colonial interior of these states and published his findings in a book called The New Voyage in Carolina. In it, he states some very curious findings on the island of Roanoke and Hatteras Island, where the Croatoans lived, right? So it's called Hatteras Island now, but this is the friendly tribe Mm -hmm. that the colonists were, you know, kind of trading with and things like that. He wrote, quote, The first discovery and settlement of this country was by the procurement of Sir Walter Raleigh in conjunction with some public-spirited gentlemen of that age. Under the protection of Queen Elizabeth, for which reason it was named Virginia, being begun on that part called Roanoke Island, where the ruins of the fort can be seen today. A farther confirmation of this we have from the Hatteras Indians, who either then lived in Roanoke Island or much frequented it. These tell us that several of their ancestors were white people and could talk in book, meaning they could read, as we do. The truth of which is confirmed by gray eyes being found frequently among these Indians and no others. They value themselves extremely for their affinity to the English and are ready to do them all friendly offices. It is probable that their settlement miscarried for want of timely supplies from England or through the treachery of the natives but we may reasonably suppose that the English were forced to cohabitate with them for relief and conversation, and that in the process of time, they conform themselves to the manners of their Indian relations. So that's kind of what I, my mind was going like, okay, are there a bunch of little blonde 
Blue eyed, <laughs> blue eyed little kids running around. Like, you know what I mean? Well, like, according to this historian. In that tribe, because. Yeah, according to this historian who literally out of nowhere just wrote this. People right. have literally forgotten those that English people even existed over there. Right. And here we go. So now, is it possible, though? There are many his current historians that think it's not possible that 100 colonists could have just descended upon a Native American settlement without burdening, like overburdening the resources available to it. There have been some that have theorized that the colony, the original colony, may have split up into two, though. Oh, okay. Because there was this feeling that some could have certainly migrated south. But there were some others that may have tried to venture up into the Chesapeake Bay where they're original where they were originally supposed to settle, where there would be more resources and things. And how are they doing this? Do they have like, I guess, small boats? Like they're not literally just stranded on the island. They have like small boats. They or have something? small boats. Okay. Um, which were missing. So White had left the boats, but they weren't there when he came back. Okay. So they were able to go from like island to island. Yeah. I mean, it's still pretty treacherous. But they to do, but they weren't totally stuck. Okay. Wherever they would, ha- let me put it this way: wherever they would go, they would have had to go by boat. Okay, little boats, little boats. Okay, that's also a good point because not all of the colonists could have fit on one boat. I mean, a hundred people could not have fit on one they would boat. Have to go back and forth. It would have been a thing. It would have been a whole thing. Okay, exactly. So this isn't something they would have but just been not like impossible, but not impossible. And so the idea is maybe they were split. Now, one of the reasons people think this is true is because for several hundred years after the disappearance of the colony, there had been rumors among the Native American tribes along the coast that the colony had been hunted down in the interior of America and slaughtered. That's roughed here. However, what if that, again, was a symbol that some of them tried to go further in, but mm-hmm. were unfortunately killed, mm-hmm. but the other half went south? What makes them think that they were slaughtered? Well, the fact that this rumor had kind of been going, okay. and also the idea that it, it was unlikely that 100 people could just descend upon okay. this like colony, you know, this Native American um encampment so that so that kind of answers the question of how they would be able to exactly because there would be fewer people people. exactly it wouldn't have been a hundred people right okay and and there seemed to be a lot of confirmation that there were definitely english in areas that they had not been like they've been able there's this um it's called site x um by historians but there's this area along the chesapeake bay it's south of jamestown But there have been a lot of artifacts found in this area where they wouldn't expect to find artifacts. Okay. And they're thinking that could have been the split off of some of the colony that had made it in there. Whether they were actually, whether they actually met their demise with Native Americans or not, we're not sure. Because again, it was just a rumor that was kind of spread from tribe to tribe. So that could have been something that was fabricated. Mm -hmm. But is it possible? Okay. Yeah. And I guess it's also possible that all of them found themselves in that area and were slaughtered. But then that doesn't explain the the message about. Right. Why would somebody have written Croatoan? Croatoan. Yeah. Now, after this publication came out in the 1700s, it was another 200 years before anyone even pay any attention to it. Okay. Which, again, to me, I'm just like, 
good grief, these poor colonists. I mean, like the bravest of the brave. And everybody just kind of forgot about them. Uh, you know, they're not showing up on my social media. <laughs> That's exactly so. right. Out of sight, out of mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this is like recent history. There's been a group that's gotten together. They're archaeologists, historians, botanists, geologists, and other scientists. They've gotten together and they've called themselves the Croatoan Archaeological Society. And they've started to conduct digs and small plots of land on Hatteras Island. Okay. To see if they could find evidence of the English there. Oh, okay. It's interesting. I bet they did. Because I think at least some of them ended up there. Well, okay. Off the bat, yes, they did. Okay. However, we also know that they were participating in trade. Okay. Yep, yep, yep. So just because they find English pottery and things like that Mm. doesn't necessarily mean that the English were living there. Okay. Now, among these artifacts, again, they found the pottery. They've also found parts of swords, rings, writing slates, gun parts, and glass that are on the same layer of soil as the Indian pottery and arrowheads and things like that. So from the same time frame? From the the same time frame. A lot of it could have been from trade. However, there is also evidence that there was a distinct change in the diet of the tribe Mm -hmm. around the 1600, changing from it was kind of like a rubbish level of fish and birds And all of a sudden, they started seeing the consumption of a lot more big game, like deer, which they would have needed English weapons in order to bring down such an animal, in order to consume that animal. It's certainly compelling. I like it. I like it. (laughs) They also unearthed documents from the English colony of Jamestown that showed the Roanoke colony left their camp to live with their native friends. Whether this was just a legend... Or this was an actual history document, we're not sure. And here's the deal. If you're living on Jamestown, wouldn't you like to believe that other colonists like yourselves managed to make it off the island and are now living with friendly natives? Sure. Of course. Of course. Here's what I'm thinking. As we discuss this, somebody was on that island, the island of Roanoke, just Mm -hmm. in the few days before White got back there. Maybe... English people and Croatoan tribe members were going back and forth to continue collecting, you know, supplies and things like that. Maybe those were the fires they were seeing or. It's certainly possible. How unfortunate that white managed to miss them. Yeah, I guess that's true. Like how, how did they miss them? And yeah, that's still, but again, we know somebody, that's the part that baffles me was we know somebody was there. Now, other possibilities are. They were killed by Native Americans. You know, it's very possible, not necessarily by the Croatoans. I mean, it could have happened, but there were a lot of other tribes there that were not very friendly with the English. They certainly could have been wiped out. White never reported seeing graves or bodies, though. There were no skeletons on the island. Which would they have been buried? I mean, would you have found them? I don't know. Probably not graves, but you would have certainly seen a lot of bones, right? It hadn't been at the most, I mean, three years. I mean, mm-hmm. bones, bodies aren't going to literally disintegrate, especially if you're talking about a hundred of okay, them. Okay, so they wouldn't right? have been buried. So then, yes, there should have been remnants. There, there should have been remnants of some kind okay. of massacre or some kind of okay. something bad happening. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, another theory that people have talked about is possibly they were abducted um, or and or killed by the Spanish who may have ventured northward and captured them. I mean, they did have a lot of, there was a lot of turmoil. 
there was a lot of turmoil and in this area like you know so possible it's definitely possible it's not like they had like a relationship to save or something right right i I do think if that would have happened though i feel like the spanish would have taken a little bit more credit for it you know like feather in their cap like oh by the way you thought you were a colony but you're not anymore (laughs) true no true but it's a it's a theory it's certainly a possibility the other possibility is that fearing that white never actually even made it back to england like you said they could have maybe a portion of them at least got on one of their boats and tried to sail back to england and And the ship was lost at sea and maybe several of them whoever was left basically went down and joined the croatoans I actually like that theory better than like some moving inland. That makes more sense. Like we've got it. We 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 need provisions. We're trapped. Right. Somebody's got to go back. Now, the last theory is a bit conspiratorial in nature. <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and say that. It's not one that folks talk about it a lot, but I couldn't overlook it. Things just were lining up so weird in my mind. So, I'm going to see if you like hold any stock in this. If we go back to the beginning, the whole goal of the colony of Roanoke was to establish a foothold in the new world and it would continue to grow and flourish, meaning the colonists would go to, you know, go to the Americas, would grow the Americas, more villages would be built and more area would be claimed for England. It started at the very top, the Queen of England, Sir Walter Raleigh, wealthy investors, and all of them did not do this out of the goodness of their heart. They all did it because they wanted to somehow capitalize on this, right? With that in mind, knowing that All the people that really put this together, that spearheaded this whole endeavor, if they were to report back that the whole colony had been massacred, how many more colonists do you think they would get to go and populate the new world? I'm guessing very few. Very few would probably volunteer to do that. So what if White and his crew really did see a massacre? They reported it back to Raleigh, but then the news just got squashed. Because how is it possible no one went to find them? Okay, so you're saying when Raleigh, when they saw the, or or when White saw the fires, and then he goes to the island, and it turns out everyone's dead. Everyone's been killed. Now, it it could be they were killed by Native Americans. It could mean they died of starvation. It could mean they died of disease. Whatever it was, everyone was dead. But and In he, this theory, the colony did not go missing. They the colony did not perish. They just perished. And he comes back and tells Raleigh, oh my gosh, this is what I came back to. And Raleigh's but like, Raleigh, do not tell anyone. Okay. Do not tell anyone mm-hmm. because then this is a lost endeavor. We're never going to settle the Americas. No one's ever going to go back. And maybe he you know, was being a little greedy in it. You know what I'm saying? I just sure. feel like there was enough. There was enough writing on this. That a cover-up would not have been totally out of the question. And Raleigh's, like, cavalier attitude of, like, not wanting to go find them really irks me. And maybe it just was, again, the times. Like, you don't throw good money after bad kind of situation. And he was like, well, what are you going to do? And so, again, this is totally just my, like, I just find it really weird. I don't think it's impossible, unfortunately, and this is almost sadder, but I, my mind kind of goes to like, I just don't think they cared because they, it didn't, it's been at least six years, if I remember correctly, it's been many, many years, like, 
we're not going to make money off of this. This doesn't seem to be a successful venture. So I don't really care where they ended up. And maybe that's it. I mean, and maybe it's no more than that. And you could certainly even chalk it up to distractions. Like there are only so many boats. There are only so many things to do. We just can't go chasing everything. But it seems like 100 souls like in the balance, like isn't isn't that worth it? Maybe, maybe not. I mean, it would be, I think, to decent people, to me, to white, certainly. But then I also think for three years, they couldn't do anything. Like for three years, they literally right. were not, eight. they didn't have the capability of going. The ships were landlocked. So I'm just saying it served Raleigh's purpose to keep the matter in doubt that's as true. to what happened to them. That's true. But at the same time, if uh, an entire colony just disappeared, just vanished, would you be signing up to go start a new colony? Because I think I'd rather hear that they were like massacred than just abducted by aliens. Like, <laughs> you know what? That's actually a theory. I didn't cover it, but that's really a theory. All I'm saying is, as long as the settlers could not be proven dead, Raleigh still maintained a legal claim on Virginia. Oh, okay. I missed that part. I missed that yeah. part. Well, I just kind of brought it home a little bit more concisely. Okay. I was just thinking nobody's going to want to go back, but to have a legal He has claim a legal claim it. because if the villagers, if the settlers were all dead or completely abandoned it, he would no longer have a claim okay. to the land. Raleigh had his first transatlantic voyage in 1595, and on this voyage, he claimed to be in search of the lost colonist, although later he admitted, uh, no, he was just throwing that out there to disguise his real search to discover the lost city of El Dorado, which is supposedly filled with gold. So he's just a, a good man. Just a really good man. Cares about his fellow brother. And, and as uh, a matter of fact, on his return voyage from that trip, he sailed past Roanoke and Croatoan Islands and later claimed the weather just prevented him from landing, from looking for them. I mean, my question is, wouldn't just like general curiosity like be enough to make you want to stop unless you knew? This is what I'm saying. Okay. All right. All right. I see. I'm picking up what you're see putting what I'm down. Saying? I realize it is probably far-fetched. It's probably totally out in left field, but it's just hitting me wrong. All right. I do love a good conspiracy and <laughs> it's not out of the question. I mean, it's sad to think that they actually all were slaughtered or or just died of starvation, which quite frankly, if if they had if they didn't even have enough resources to make it through the winter and they were there for three years. Right. And you're right, there was a hundred of them, so there weren't you know, where are they going to go where they're not going to be a burden to anybody else? Like, I mean, that is a lot for them to have been able to survive, survive that. But yeah, this is the last I'm going to say on Raleigh. I'm just going to put it out there. Raleigh later sought to enforce his monopoly on Virginia based on the potential survival of the Roanoke colonists when the price of sassafras located on the Roanoke Islands skyrocketed mm. he had no interest in the colonist until all of a sudden he found that he could make a buck he funded a 1602 mission to the outer banks with the stated goal of resuming the search yeah he's, a, he's oh a, really he's not oh, my really favorite. yeah 
Led by Samuel Mace, this expedition differed from previous voyages in that Raleigh bought his own ship and guaranteed the sailors' wages so that they would not be distracted by privateering. So they couldn't go off and be pilfering ships, right? However, the ship's itinerary and manifest indicated that Raleigh's top priority was harvesting sassafras, which we already know, <laughs> far south of the Croatoan Islands. By the time Mace approached Hatteras, bad weather prevented them again from lingering in the area. So once again, they never made it. Mm-hmm. Wow. Weird, right? I'm just saying. I mean, I'm not a fan of Raleigh. <laughs> Um, what well, he was eventually beheaded. Oh. So yeah, he he was caught at the very end. Uh, well, first, so there's rumors that he and the queen had a thing for a little while, but then he wound up marrying um someone in her court without her knowledge and therefore permission. Oh, <laughs> which <There> is no <laughs> anger like a woman scorned, and if that woman is a queen. Yeah, so he wound up being in the Tower of London for a while. Eventually he was released, but then he got caught up in a conspiracy to murder Queen Elizabeth's successor. And so eventually he was ended. So, I mean, he got, he met his end. I'm just saying, like, maybe, I don't know, if you got that guy in charge, weird things could happen. True, true, true. I would like to think they ended up on Croatoan Island. me too. Uh, There is... Some really cutting edge research that's going on right now. It mm-hmm. wasn't enough to fully go into, but they're trying to find DNA links. That's what I okay. I was wondering, like, can we, yeah. can we do some links? So they've gone or back. Some DNA. Well, they've gone back and found Native Americans from that island that have surnames that were the same as the English settlers. So yeah, I really think I really think that at least part of the settlement ended up there. Yeah. The problem is, I mean, over hundreds and hundreds of years, yeah. a lot of the DNA, you know, they can't exactly like link it back, but they're trying to find, you know, if they can find genetic markers and and science is slowly getting there where mm-hmm. they may be able to say they are definitely a descendant. Um, descendants from the colony. So that'll be something probably in the next five or 10 years, which we may get some kind of more definite answer on them. That would be really cool. Yeah, it would be really cool. That's what my gut says, though. My gut says that. So yeah, maybe I'm just a a hopeless romantic, but (laughs) that's what I think happened. Well, Roanoke Island certainly exists today. They have cleared out a small area where they think the original garrison was that you can go see. Uh, In 2002, a bridge was built to Roanoke Island, and it is called the Virginia Dare Memorial Bridge. Oh, I love that. I know. The island currently harbors one town named Manteo and one unincorporated village of Wanchese with several other incorporated areas around the island. I love that. Yeah, it's really sweet. I was telling Barton, I was like, I, I want to go. Me too. I want to go oh see. Gosh, let's have a dark oak road trip. <laughs> yeah, so really cool, really cool history. You guys, I hope that wasn't boring. No, that wasn't boring at all. History can be so fun. Well, and to be honest, like I said, I'm not a history buff, but the last colony of Roanoke, it's very much in our pop culture. I mean, just a few years ago, it I was is watching now. an yeah. American horror story. Yes. That did a whole season on it. So um lots of of mystery. Yes. T- they've gotten a lot of their inspiration from pieces. They've even used like the Croatoan and yes. things in like different episodes. So what's wild to me is that it was essentially forgotten for like five hundred years and all of a sudden it's popular again. 
So yeah, like you know, 2023, <laughs> and we're talking about the Lost Colony of Roanoke. Yet after they disappeared, nobody talked about them for 200 years. <laughs> you know, yeah, you know, until one guy happened to write about a book, and then nobody thought about it again for another 200 years. That, that's really the, cra- the the craziest part to me is that like they probably were not forward thinking enough to be like you know. 500 years from now, <laughs> people are going to be asking about this group of people. Maybe we should go down to this island where we think they might be and just check. Doesn't it make you wonder how many lost colonies there are out there? Essentially, it was a it was a botched experiment, right? I mean, it didn't it didn't work. I think the part that's most painful about this one, the fact that they were quote forgotten is because they really were the start of becoming America and the bravery and the hope and the dedication and the hard work of these individuals, I think needs to be honored. Right. And so I think that's the hardest part for me is to think that that was all taken for granted. Well, and that's, I think, why I actually kind of hope that they, you know, they integrated yeah. with, you know, the Native Americans sure. and went on to live happily ever after. Just, yeah, you know, yeah, that's. Oh, that's what I hope. Stephanie, let's talk about the Branch of Hope report for a minute. So your January 2024 nonprofit options are the Wildlife and Recreation Foundation that we discussed on Casey Hathaway's episode, episode 27. It was a Bigfoot. <laughs> I like to think it was a Bigfoot, too. Also, support wildlife. Yes, yes. And I spoke with Tammy of that organization yesterday and absolutely love her and love everything she's doing with her conservation efforts. So yeah. great organization. Legit. Mm-hmm. Your second option is Safe Space, which we talked about in episode 28 that covers the Brown family disappearance. Helping so many families, you guys. We're so excited to support them, too. Absolutely. So we have two really, really great organizations, two great options. So you can just go to our Facebook page. There's a post near the top. You can tell us. Oh, which... or Twitter, Facebook or Twitter. Oh, Facebook or Twitter. Yeah. And let us know which one of those organizations you want your portion of the fund to go to. There are no strings attached, no gimmicks. We are simply a podcast leading through words and actions, and we want to make sure your voice is heard. Heard. <laughs> <laughs> It's the end of a long week, guys. Yeah. All right, we'll leave it. <laughs> the mysteries we explore bring us excitement, entertainment, and fun, but we want to remember the human side of these events, and the Branch of Hope allows us to do just that. So again, that Branch of Hope, any money that comes in through Patreon or through sponsorships, that's where you know we're able to give a portion of those proceeds. Yeah, and if you love this episode, love us or let the Branch of Hope, please like and subscribe and tell someone we are doing good work and we want you to help spread the good word. So forward this episode to a friend who might like it. You can also join our Patreon, which will allow us to keep creating and connecting with you. So simple to do. Just go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com and look for the Dark Oak Podcast and you will find us there. And the rest is pretty simple. And we'd love to see you there. We've got some exclusive content. We've got exclusive episodes. There's also a live with Cynthia and I. You'll get a little swag. You get a special Facebook page. I mean, it's where the cool kids go, really. It's it's where you want to be. Trust us, guys. It's where you want to be. <laughs>
You can send us an email at thedarkoakpodcast at gmail.com. We are open to your questions, comments, and anything else you want to share. And for other ways to connect, hop over to thedarkoak.com. And be sure to follow us to our next episode where we cover the incredibly frustrating disappearance of Jennifer Kessie. I'm telling you guys, this has some of the craziest twists and turns in it as just far as how luck goes. So you do not want to miss that episode. We'll talk about some theories, some potential suspects, if we can even find any. It's, it's, It's a good one. Listen to that. Thank you so much. Hey, guys, we love you, Shiver Seekers. You guys rock. Yeah. See bye. you next week. Bye. This episode of The Dark Oak was created, researched, written, recorded, hosted, edited, published, and marketed by Cynthia and Stephanie of Just Us Gals Productions and made possible by you, our shiver-seeking listener. Special thanks goes to Justice Himes for our incredible artwork and Ryan Crete for our amazing music.